Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire. And I'm Robert Bucciolato. Robert, we've spent some time in the past on this podcast talking about Henry Flagler and the Florida East Coast Railroad. I wanted to bring that topic back up today, basically three and a half years after we talked about it previously, uh, just to uh, give kind of a refreshed view of it. But the uh, Overseas Railroad was an engineering marvel and was built at a time when Key West was uh, a city located about 130 miles beyond the end of the Florida Peninsula, but was also one of the three or four most important points in the state of Florida, along with Pensacola, Jacksonville, and, and I guess probably Tampa at that point. Tallahassee, of course, was the capital. Uh, so, you know, one of the five most important points. And uh, it had been actually the, the most populated city in Florida uh, for much of the latter half of the 1800s. So Henry Flagler has effectively control of the state, right? Control the state legislature, control the governor. Uh, he's, all these new found towns have been founded on his railroad. He is the most, not only the most powerful guy in Florida, uh, by extension, one of the most powerful people in the country. And this is as we're at the end of the Gilded Age, we're coming into the Progressive Era, but we're in the Gilded Age. He's a Gilded Age figure. No one else uh, was going to have the ability to knock a railroad all the way down to, 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 to Key West. At this point, only connection to Key West was by boat before 1900. Two periods, two Flagler periods uh, in Florida history. The first one is his, you know, massive uh, building efforts in St. Augustine. The second is the fact that he... Um, is considered the founding father of both Palm Beach and Miami. And if anybody were to wonder how you got from that point A to that point B, it was all through railroad construction. He went and he basically tore in to the wilderness all up and down the state. I mean, it was thousands of acres he tore down. And he was purchasing properties as he went. He would go down from St. Augustine to Daytona, and he would he'd purchase um, hotels. He would go down to Fort Pierce, and he would he'd purchase property. He'd purchase bits of land all the way down until he got to Miami. And then once he got to Miami and he got to Palm Beach, then he uh, basically started looking towards the Keys. And, you know, you see all throughout this great uh, single-man migration that Flagler is undertaking, um, you'll see that he is, you know, that is his goal, is Key West. He wants to connect an entire empire by rail between St. Augustine and Key West. And along the way, um, you have something like, you know, West Palm Beach, was founded as a service station. Yeah. Palm Beach Inn ended up becoming the breakers. He built uh, this 1,100-room uh, uh, beautiful hotel in Lake Worth 
at a time when, you know, there really wasn't a business for it. But he had this mentality of sort of the, I, if I build it, they will come. And at the same time, for every single mile of track that was being laid down in the, the city, the state government was offering incentives. They gave him almost, I think it was like 3,000 acres just because he was putting the railroads there. And it got to a point where he wasn't even having to pay for land. They just, they wanted his property. They wanted his, his interest so badly. And, uh, I think I, at, at first he wanted to, uh, to end construction on the railroad and, uh, and the Palm beaches because of, uh, the great frost in uh 94 and 95 he was just the kind of guy that he wouldn't be um undaunted and he just kept going so actually before we get back to the keys that robert you bring up some good points let's uh some more anecdotes that you might have about uh south florida and the railroad coming through south florida i i do know these towns developed uh because of flagler obviously uh there was no uh road connection or rail connection between these new newer uh, towns i think there was a a dirt path that had been created by uh abner doubleday between fort lauderdale and miami but nothing um or fort lauderdale south of the new river to miami north of the miami river uh but nothing um else no rail connections and uh flagler helped develop deep water ports right port everglades becomes the premier deep water port on the Atlantic coast, really probably south of Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia, uh, Port of Palm Beach is developed, uh, Port of Miami is eventually developed. Uh, all of these things happen because of Flagler's Railroad in South Florida. Uh, before um, the Overseas Railroad is punched through to Key West. Being so instrumental in the building up of places like Miami, he would encourage people, farmers, to come and as a, a symbol of encouragement, he would gift to these communities, churches and hospitals and schools. He would build them. He would essentially create communities so that these people could part participate in all the, the basic comforts that they had where they used to live. So obviously, uh, the relationship between the Walt Disney Company and the state of Florida is a little bit different than it was until uh, quite recently, Robert, um, as we've talked about in previous uh, podcasts and uh, everybody who's listening to this is aware of, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and uh, and uh, uh, his uh, allies don't get along with uh, the Walt Disney Company the way that uh, public officials in this state had for the previous 50 years. But uh, Les Staniford, who's written an excellent book called Last Train to Paradise, one of the best books about Florida history, and uh, written by an author that's written a lot about general American history in, in, in other times. So it's great to have had him write a book about Florida several years ago. But he, he talks about Henry Flagler um, being akin 
to Walt Disney in terms of his celebrity when he came to Florida um, and his uh, influence on state government and the state legislature and on the entire political culture of the state, which we should remind people uh, at the time, uh, there were very few Republicans in Florida. It was a heavily Democratic state. Uh, and uh, Flagler had uh, come from a background of supporting a lot of Republicans in, in, uh, in Ohio. Well, well, not even not even just that, but he was having uh, trouble divorcing his wife, and so uh, they they added a, a new clause in the state divorce laws so that he could do that. Yeah, I mean they they whatever he wanted, they you know they you know the governor if the governor Flagler wanted a cup of coffee and a smoke, the governor would get up and go get them for him. I mean he was just that was just. He was he was the king, and absolutely it was it was just like Disney. He had money, he had influence, and more importantly, he had a lot of friends that he could bring along with him, which meant a lot of new capital for the state. And they were they were going to make sure that he and his wallet stayed right where they were. So let's get to the railroad and the keys. Um. The line that now dots Overseas Highway or, and was the Overseas Railroad may seem straightforward now, right? Just start a key Largo and, and work your way through the keys. But that was not actually as straightforward when this railroad was built. And truth be told, Flagler had thought about building the railroad. It had probably been a fait accompli. Uh, from about 1895 onward, uh, the point where he had uh, put the train uh, through to Palm Beach. But the acquisition of, of, of the Panama Canal or the decision to build the Panama Canal and, and uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt's uh, intervention in Panama's attempts to become independent of Colombia or manipulation of that situation, depending on your, your reading of history, uh, certainly a, another expression of American imperialism in uh, Latin America. But however you view that, that I think prompted Flagler to go forward. So he makes the decision to go forward and build the railroad to Key West. And then because Key West would now be the closest deep water port to Panama in the United States, to the Panama Canal. So you want to take advantage of that and get a railroad that can transport goods to the deep water port in Key West from the U.S. mainland and then take advantage of the, the, the opening of the Panama Canal. So the Florida East Coast Railroad reached Miami in 1896. It reached a place called Cutler Ridge in 1903, which is uh, roughly where Palmetto uh, Bay is now, Cutler Bay, that area uh, of, uh, of uh, south, uh, Southeast State County. And then in 1904, Flagler brings the railroad further south to Homestead. Okay, so that's all very straightforward. Now the question is, what do you do to build a railroad through to Key West from Homestead? This is where decisions have to be made. There were basically only two good options, right? The first option was to go straight from Homestead down uh, to uh, uh, 
Jewfish Creek Lake Surprise area, build a bridge there, a causeway bridge, uh, and then to Key Largo and across the Keys, now down to Key West. The Keys themselves, as most of you know, are maybe at most, well, Key Largo is a little wider, but after Key Largo and, uh, and, 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 and uh, that area are, so in some cases, 50 yards wide, right? It's very difficult to build a railroad through there and to then have to connect each key uh, via via bridge. Some bridges would be could be causeway bridges. Some some uh, areas they're deeper uh, deeper channels um, on deeper channels that would have to be cut through. So then you have to have a high bridge. So that's all very complicated. That that's possibility one. We know that's what happened, right? And we know that's where overseas highway is today. Now there was a second possibility which was seriously considered. This possibility would have involved building a road southwestward from Homestead or, or building um, the railroad southwestward uh, to Cape Sable. And that would cut right through what is now Everglades National Park, but had not been designated at the time. And keep in mind, at this point, Napoleon Bonaparte Broward is the governor of Florida, and he is actively quote, pacifying or, quote, taming the Everglades. So there's, there, there's not much thought, thought to, the, uh, to the ecological damage this would do. And so basically you would not have to, to, to hit water or, or what they considered water, right, Florida Bay or open ocean, whatever you want to uh, classify it as, uh, until you hit Cape Sable. Now, of course, as we know, the Everglades is a river of grass, and building a railroad through there would have done immense ecological damage, and most of it would be um, maybe un, 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 um, un, irreversible. So William Crome, who Crome uh, Boulevard in, in Miami-Dade County is, uh, is named for, was the uh, engineer sent by Flagler to investigate this. It took Chrome a very long time to survey the area, and obviously conditions were inhospitable. He gets to Cape Sable. He realizes there's no way you can uh, push a railroad across uh, the southern portion of the Everglades. And then from Cape Sable to, uh, I guess it would have gone to Big Pine Key or Cujo Key, there would have needed to be a 25 or 30-mile bridge over water, which um, had not been done at that point. It would have been an engineering uh, marvel. Well, I mean, it's certainly the railroad in itself, as it ended up being built, was an engineering marvel also in its own way. Uh, so that's ruled out. The path from Key Largo, though, involves, let's see, about 100 miles of, 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 of railroad from Key Largo to Key West. About half of that is over water. So you're talking about 50 miles of bridges versus um, 30 miles, 28, 30 miles to get from uh, Cape Sable to Big Pine Key, and then you know sh smaller bridges after that uh, through the uh, the the lower keys. So with these daunting odds, there was another possibility briefly considered, which was to dredge a deep water port where um, the card sound bridges right now, uh, which goes between, which is the other. A bridge that you can take from Homestead or the Florida City area, Homestead, Florida City area to Key Largo and takes you uh, to the extreme eastern edge, the Ocean Reef Club, 
uh, which becomes famous many years later. And then obviously also um, the Crocodile Lake uh, National Wildlife Refuge is out there. In any event, uh, that's ruled out, but that would have meant there would have been no railroad to Key West. So the decision is made to, to follow the path that it follows now, which is obviously along uh, each the chain of islands from Key Largo to Key West. No, and um, you know, I think I think it was estimated that by the time of his death, um, he had, and and a lot of it, I, I think, was due to his efforts to build this railroad in the Keys. But he had invested about fifty million dollars in properties, in land, in railroads in this state. And, you know, people forget, and, you know, and you, you definitely championed the, the keys. Um, but I, I think people nowadays might think, you know, why on earth would he be trying to build a railroad to the keys? But at the time, that was the largest population in the state. It was like 25,000 people. Yeah, yeah. So in addition to the, to the port issue, um, Key West was the city in Florida, right? It was the only city that didn't actually need Flagler's Railroad to become a city. I, I mentioned uh, that uh, Jacksonville's becoming a significant place. Uh, St. Augustine is revived by this time. But those are because of Flagler's Railroad, right? St. Augustine, despite being the oldest continuous European settlement in the in what is now the United States, was a dying place before Flagler's Railroad came. Uh, Jacksonville had been kind of this, this, this uh, railhead town, but not a significant city besides being the end of the rail. Uh, Pensacola had been around, but Key West kind of dwarfed it in importance. Tallahassee was the capital, but uh, there, there was uh, uh, a lack of rail connection to Tallahassee and, and uh, still today, you know, lack of stuff around Tallahassee. So uh, Key West was really the place. Yeah, you're right. And, and I think uh, it was a, a place that um, needed a, a rail connection. And I, I do think that he, um, I mean, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm probably, you know, I may be overthinking this, but I'm sure he had to be a little disappointed that he was never able to colonize Key West the way he was the actual, you know, mainland peninsula of Florida. Yeah, to the point, uh, Robert, where uh, Miami didn't exist before uh, uh, Flagler's Railroad went there. Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, they didn't exist until Flagler's Railroad went there and he built hotels and he did all this fancy stuff in these places. St. Augustine, he built all these hotels. The railroad came right into town. Key West was so built up, so big already, that the railroad actually ended at a place called Trumbull Point, which is three miles from Mallory Square, which we think of as the center of Key West today, right? And it was the center of Key West then, um, and, and Duval Street and all those areas, right? Key West was built up. Key West was already a mature adult place, maybe the only mature adult place in the state of Florida, which was uh, one of the least populated states in the year 1900. So, uh, yeah, so he wasn't even able to plow his railroad. Once he got to Key West, he wasn't able to plow it through Key West the way he th pl plowed it through other towns on the east coast of Florida. Yeah, and he, um, you know, I, I, I think a, a lot of people wonder when they think of our idea as the, you know, the tourist Mecca for so long that we're we're the site of Disney, we're the we're the Sunshine State, 
everybody sometimes wonders what was the sort of nucleus to this um, to this sort of seasonal influx of tourists that we always get every year. And uh, a big, big part of that, of getting it started, was Flagler. This sort of idea that Florida can become a winter destination. When he would build his properties, like in Miami and Palm Beach, he would get designers from the, the same firms in New York that made the, the Pan Am Exposition. I mean, the, the really just the finest builders in the entire world to make this a fashionable place for the rich of the Gilded Age to want to come and get away from the winter, get away from the seasonal heat of New York with, you know, its congestion and its, you know, and its, it's just pure unbridled heat and go to a beach area with its breeze and its surf. And um, a lot of thanks is due to Flagler for this becoming such a popular destination state. Yeah, Flagler is one of the barons of the Gilded Age, right, Robert? And, um, you know, a famous famous story was towards the end of his life, a, uh, a college per, uh, president basically asked him, why Florida? Why did you spend this extraordinary fortune? Which, I mean, $50 million is an absurd amount of money today. But back then, it was unthinkable. It was an, just an unthinkable amount of money for somebody to basically just spend on a state. And um, Flagler ultimately said that he did it because he believed in this state. He believed that he could colonize it and develop it and, and really, honestly, sort of um, accelerate it, accelerate its maturity. Um, so that it could be, you know, something that people would want to go to and, and live at and, and build lives at. And, um, he said out of any other state in the country, it was the, the best chance he had of winning, um, a dividend back from his event, his investments. And basically he just believed in this state to such a huge degree that, um, you know, you can really consider him the Floridian of his generation. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll leave it there. I uh, just want to mention that. Uh... So some of the real engineering marvels of the overseas railroad, the whole thing is an engineering marvel, but uh, some of the most difficult terrain to cross was initially, right? You draw, you, you build the railroad from Florida City down to Lake Surprise. Spanning Lake Surprise was very difficult. The The water was, there was no really good um, way to um, to put your pylons and, and, to, and, to, and to bury the, 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 the things you needed uh, to, create, to create a cantilever or create uh, a bridge. Uh, also, Lake Surprise, I would mention also is a place crawling with crocodiles. I don't know that the crocodile population, what it was like in, in uh, 1906, 1907, as the railroads being built, but it is a, uh, it is maybe the most crocodile infested part of, uh, of Florida. Obviously, uh, much of most all of Florida is alligator infested, but um, Lake Surprise, you actually have crocodiles. Uh, for those who don't know, 
Southern Florida is the only habitat in the world where you have both alligators and crocodiles, by the way. Um, and then Jewfish Creek, they had to span. That wasn't that simple. Um, in fact, now uh, they've just opened a new bridge. I'd say just, but now uh, what's well, 2022? So uh, 2009, 2010 or so, they built a new bridge over Jewfish Creek in Lake Surprise um, or, or imp improved the Lake Surprise Causeway, which is still the kind of the same causeway. It's now a roadway that existed for the railroad and then built a new bridge over Jewfish Creek. That was very difficult. The Long Key Viaduct was a very difficult uh, area of, of water to span. Uh, and there were some deep, deeper uh, troughs in, in, in uh, that area uh, that that had to span. Obviously, the Seven Mile Bridge from Marathon uh, onward, which are now, which is now mile marker 47 to mile marker 40, uh, on the overseas highway on US one, uh, that was difficult, but Bahia Honda, uh, deep water, right? Uh, that, that, the, 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 uh, the deep bay that, um, became very difficult to span. And then there were some complications onward in the lower keys to Key West. Uh, but, what an engineering marvel. All of it was difficult. I just highlight some of the, the more difficult ones. And uh, on the afternoon of January 21st, 1912, uh, after almost uh, six and a half years, close to seven years of work, uh, the project uh, was done. Um, and uh, you had uh, traffic that was uh, able to come all the way through uh, and across the Seven Mile Bridge, all the way to Key West. Astounding. One of the world's great wonders, and it opened in 1912. You had, um, you had celebrities, guests, everybody withhold this wonder. Um, and uh, it was something that uh, Henry Flagler really took a lot of pride in. Only hit someone of his determination, his means, his pragmatism also with the design and with the building and his uh, resolve could have seen it done through. Now, of course, the 1935 hurricane comes through. Uh, we talk about that in other episodes. We're going to do, we still haven't done a proper episode on the Labor Day storm of 1935. Um, might be waiting for the, maybe to do it on the 90th anniversary. Um, I mean, we did one show on it, but I want to do a really proper Show on it. Maybe we wait for uh, 2025. Uh, we did one in 2020, 85th anniversary. But um, that comes through 1935, worst uh, uh, storm to ever hit the United States in terms of intensity. It was a Category Five. Uh, it killed uh, uh, hundreds of uh, uh, veterans who were working in the Keys, World War One veterans on the railroad, and there was all kinds of bureaucratic snafus. A great, there's a great documentary on it. I think it may have been Nat Geo uh, that did it, National Geographic Channel. Maybe it was the History Channel. But great documentary on the bureaucratic snafus about it. And uh, the railroad fails. And it gets replaced by a highway, which is US-1. Now, I um, want to mention, for those who don't know, initially the overseas highway was routed over the was routed over the Card Sound Bridge uh, to the eastern part of Key Largo, where the Ocean Reef Club was. Uh, part of the reason that was done, in fact, if you look at the opening scenes, uh, the opening credits of Key Largo, um, the movie, they um, 
the bridge that they show, I believe, is the Cardstown Road Bridge. And it's not uh, Jewfish Creek Lake Surprise Bridge. US-1 was rerouted over that bridge later, and um, the Cardstown Bridge... A uh, high bridge was built in 1969, and it's seldom used, right? Very few people uh, go that way. Uh, you end up cutting off a lot of time by coming through uh, Jewfish Creek. But that, again, because that was a difficult place to engineer the bri- uh, the railroad, became a place where they didn't put a roadbed initially. Um, but they did route it through the rest of the railroad, through the Keys down to Key West. And US-1 is there now, and it's uh, a wonder of the uh, federal highway system. So anyway, Robert, thank you. Uh, For that, we'll be back next week with another new Florida History Podcast.